0: And come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for.
1: Cindy, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Blake. I appreciate it.
0: So when we like first got on the call, I was kind of like, "Okay, this is we're doing it. This. this is <laughs> this is heavy, <laughs> but good. There. We're going there." Yeah. Which people that listen to the show regularly are not surprised. But sure. So before we dive in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You have a book that, gosh, like happy book birthday week after it just yeah. came out last a week, week after. Yeah, it is healing your marriage when trust is broken and everybody collectively just went, oh, uh, um,
1: yeah, that's what we like, oh, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. Skip. So don't skip. Just, you need yeah. this. Don't skip. No. Even if your marriage is in a healthy place, just listen to a great God story. So Amen. how about that?
0: exactly. So
1: tell us about yourself and about your book. Yeah. So obviously Cindy Beale is my name and I have been married to my husband for almost 29 years. And we have three sons. We have a daughter-in-law. We have a perfect granddaughter named Ivy Sloan. She is 100% delicious. And oh my gosh, she is like, nobody was, they were not lying when they said grandparent life is a reward for not Not hurting your own children, you know.
0: (laughs) For Christmas, like two years ago, we gave my parents a sign that says if we knew grandchildren were this much fun, we would have had them first.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) So much fun. Yeah. So, and then my husband and I, you know, we've been in full-time ministry most of our marriage. And we have been at Life Church in Oklahoma for almost two decades under the leadership of Craig and Amy Groeschel. And we are currently both on staff in different roles. My husband oversees about 11 of our 37 38 campuses i never sometimes yeah. we, we launch them fast so i'm yeah, not yeah, always yeah. sure and then i am on the u version team as the spiritual support leader so i work for the greatest bible app in the world you so, do i just
0: used it this morning that's so cool
1: i know it's so fun i yeah. love it yeah so that's that and then you know i mentioned we've been at life church for 20 years and so i'm just going to kind of i'll just segue into kind of my Go book and the story and we came to Life Church, and we were excited to have a new venture and start over—or not really start over, just start something new. And Chris joined the team January of two two thousand two, and six weeks on the job, he came home one morning. You know, I'm unpacking boxes; we're still getting settled. And he said, "Hey, so I need. We need to talk. And anytime you hear that from your spouse or someone, really, it's usually not coming with good news. And so he sat me down. He proceeded to tell me you've been unfaithful to me many times, many different places, a lot of sin wrapped around his addiction to pornography. So." let me just do a small caveat. Most, a lot of affairs happen out of inappropriate relationships, but Mm. a lot of them stem from some kind of deep seated addiction. And so his was pornography. So you can imagine that amount of information as my pastor husband, we were leading worship for like nine years together and all of this came out. And I just thought, what do I do with this information? And just your, no, your world just crashes in front of you. And five minutes before you're feeding your three-year-old breakfast and unpacking boxes. And right. so that was my day on February the 19th, 2002. And here we are still married to him. So clearly there's a lot of things God did in this journey, but yeah, that's the, the nutshell, I guess, of wow. the story in a nutshell. Wow.
0: Okay. So I'm just going to ask the question that I know you've gotten asked a ton, but yeah. that immediately zapped through my brain. So it wasn't a one-time thing. Like it was right repetitive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of cyclical. If I can say that he would act out and then he would be like repentant to God and say, I'll never do it again. And then he would have good five, six, seven, two months, three months of doing good. And then he'd fall again. So it wasn't like an every single day thing Mm -hmm. for him. So that's kind of how it was there. And people always ask, did you not know anything? I knew something was off when we were in this, it was about a two and a half year period that all of this happened. So it wasn't like all of our marriage leading up to nine or to that time. So I knew something was off. I just didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, we're, we've been married seven eight years maybe it's just, just part of it. We have a kid because we were married for six years without children. So I thought, well, you know, you just kind of start rationalizing things in your head. So mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't have any idea it was this right at all. Okay. So the question that through my brain is why did you stay? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> and I almost didn't, if I'm mm-hmm. honest. You know, I know that for some reason in the scripture there's a re- there's a an out you know, when it comes to marriage with divorces, marital unfaithfulness. And, and so I thought, well, I think, I think this is it. I think, I don't think we can recover from this. I mm-hmm. literally had those thoughts and I have, I just thought, I, I don't know. And so, but at the same time, my husband confessed all this to me was fully repentant. Our leadership at church under Craig's leadership was so supportive, helpful willing to help us along the journey of healing. Chris did resign, of course, but Mm -hmm. that was not, I mean, we knew that would happen, but so I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know if I can do this, but then I've got my husband who is truly wanting freedom from this bondage. He's been in since the first time he looked at a playboy at age eight. Mm -hmm. And so just, that's what I'm seeing. And so I just decided, well, I don't have to figure everything out today. So I began to just pray and say, okay, God, Do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? I probably asked him that thirty times a day for the better part of three weeks. Yeah, and then with within time, one of the greatest parts of the book is when I talk about how God showed me what He was going to do, and you know, I met with a pastor, my mom's pastor, and he said, "You are not a fool to stay and be a part of the redemptive work in a man's life." I know that's that's a bumper sticker right there. Yes, although people probably don't want to put that on their car, but yeah, so. I just said, okay. And, but ultimately at the end of the day, God was asking me, do you trust me? Mm. Cause I'm, and I'm, cause I'm like, clearly I don't trust my husband, but some, I got to figure out how this works. And so I did trust God. God wasn't the one who let me down. My husband Mm. did. And Mm -hmm. so I just said, okay, I trust you. And that's when really the true journey of healing happened, each of us individually. And then also Mm -hmm. together, eventually as a couple,
0: I think what's really beautiful about what you just said is I think so many of us in our humanity think that it's like a decision on a dime that you have to like make a decision and you have to make it today and you have to follow through with it whether it's upon hearing what's happened or whenever you've like put this own weird timeline on yourself and we serve a God that's so much more like dynamic and complex and bigger and knows so much more than we do that's not to say that there aren't decisions that can't be made in the like, boom, this is what right needs to be done. And that doesn't mean that there aren't times that you should leave. I always feel like sure. clarify that, but that you like wrestled with it and that you asked God 30 times a day until you felt clear on your answer. Like, I just wonder how many marriages that would save to not feel this pressure to
1: like make a split second decision. Absolutely. And one of the best pieces of advice I got in those, probably within the first three days, I was, I found myself in a bit of a panic, like too much to what you just mentioned. I had to try to figure this out right now because exactly. I couldn't surely let any more of my life be wasted on hmm. this man is what I thought. And I remember one of our pastors, he saw me, he came over and he actually took our computer from our house to uh, help in the healing process with Chris. And And he said, Cindy, you don't have to decide the rest of your life today. Mm-hmm. And that was a very freeing thing for me to realize, you know what? He's right. I can wait a few weeks. I can even wait a few months just to even just see, okay, am I really going to believe and fall and hold true to the words of my of my God and how I know He is the giver of new life and second chances and fifth chances. And so um, that's when I just said, okay, well, I'll just, I'm just going to wait until I hear from God one way or another. And that's kind of, that was the process for me.
0: How did you know that your husband was like, sorry and regretful that it wasn't like, Hey, like I've been found out or, you know, I'm getting ahead of that. Like, cause you say you, you knew, like you knew that he was looking for redemption, that you were going to be a part of his redemption story. Like how yeah. did,
1: I mean, yeah.
0: How did you, how, could yeah. you know how do you that? know
1: that he was not fooling me again? Basically. Yeah. So of course I watched him just come clean. That's a given right there. He was, he repented. And the other thing that was interesting is I watched him day after day, truly sorrow. First and foremost about what he'd done to the name of Jesus. Mm. So it wasn't that because he was like, I don't care in the who in the world knows my story. I need freedom and I want to bring I I I don't want to live this life again. And so that was key for me to know that he was really remorseful about what he'd done to the name of Jesus and of course our family. So, but just watching him day in and day out, and you know, over time typically you might see in some people a, come on, get over this. What are you, why are you still, why are we still talking about this? You know, yes. you might kind of see that mindset. And I've got to tell you like 20 years later, that mindset is still not there. Like yes. we don't have struggles really at all re- related to marriage stuff about, because of that, we we might still have bickering day today because we just still two human beings who are married, but uh, we don't struggle with those things from all those years ago. But I'm telling you, he told me, he said, I know you'll probably never trust me again, but if you'll allow me, I'll spend the rest of my life trying. He Mm -hmm. said that to me. And I said, "Uh, (laughs) I didn't know what to say. And so I just kind of listened and sure enough, every day, I mean, like I said, it's 20 years later, so it's a little bit far removed, but like there's just nothing that he hasn't done and been willing to do to bring healing to not just himself, but then, of course, our marriage. And, and so it's been amazing to watch. So just time usually tells a lot of things. Absolutely. And a true, you know, the Bible talks about godly sorrow and worldly sorrow, and he definitely was a truly sorrowful for, for in, a, in a godly way.
0: I think what you said about like, why aren't we over this? Why are we still talking about this? Is so indicative of someone's heart. Right. Because look, I've been that person before where I've hurt someone wronged someone and then been like, okay, like that's, that's enough. I've been the whipping boy. I am sorry. Right. Was I sorry? Like, was I really being compassionate to that person's pain? So that like the impact that now that's not to say that people can't drag things out and sure and sure things longer than yep. they should, but is it my job to dictate like how long and what it takes someone to heal from right. pain that I caused?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing because, you know, Lisa Turkers talks in her book, forgiving what you can't forget, talks about re- forgiving the, the hurt, the wound or, Situation, and then still having to live with all the triggers that come, and forgiving those, and that's what it is. Like a lot of us, I think not not everyone, but a lot of us can forgive the event Mm -hmm. when it's when we're reminded of the pain that we don't know what to do, and so of course we lash back out. And so I think I think it's twofold. Like I mean, if I was still twenty years later watching my husband do make all the right, as many right choices as he could have. And I still was like, well, I think you might cheat when you go to town next week. Like, I think at that point, it's probably a me issue. It's Mm -hmm. not a him necessarily because he has shown that he is a man of character when he walks in the spirit, I can trust the spirit's work in him. So, uh, so yeah, I think it, it can be both, but at the end of the day, we also know that there are people, maybe even people listening who they are choosing not to get over a wound Absolutely. Um, Some of them may be big wounds, which is very understandable to overcome, but some of them may be my friend did this and I'm like, man, can we not be not just recipients of God's grace, but can we not be distributors as well? Yes. Right. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I, I wonder if, no, I don't wonder because I've lived it. Like I look back at times where I was incapable of giving grace and it was most often because I was in a season of not living out of it and not probably fully understanding what had been freely given. And I just was reading a study and now I can't remember what it was about grace. And it was somebody asking the question of de- trying to define grace. And is it just unmerited favor? And I wish that I could remember where I was reading this, but there was the answer was yes. Like if, that is a very like stripped down, simplified, unmerited favor, but it's also a force that like empowers us, like it's been given, but it's also something that empowers us to go out and do the same.
1: Right. Undeserved. Like you have to really understand what that word means. Right. Right. And we have to understand that my sin is just as stinky to God as someone else's, even though I may have just gossiped and maybe they, you know, cheated on their spouse. Like it's all ugly. Like Mm -hmm. God doesn't, I mean, he doesn't like any of the sin. And so that's been eye-opening for me to understand that there have been so many times where I have like, even let's just take gossip. I'm not going to lie and say, I haven't enjoyed a tasty morsel, you know, in my life, even probably even last week, but, um, (laughs) you know, so is that something that God is pleased with that I've continued to do that safer my whole life, but and then someone else does something really big. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting thing for us to go. Okay. I've got to understand that the whole Romans three twenty three, where we all fall short, it means we all fall short. Yeah. So consequences are different, but at the end of the day, we are just human beings trying to deal with our humanity and it's Absolutely.
0: not easy. No. I, something that I heard a pastor say once is that the ground is even at the foot of the cross, right? That it's, like, yes, society and culture have maybe elevated some sins to be more right. or less. Right. or And yes, there are, like you said, there are greater natural consequences to something like your husband being unfaithful versus whatever. But yeah. we've become so like fixated on qualifying sins mm-hmm. rather than like getting to heart of the heart of why it's happening in the first place.
1: True. That's true. So true.
0: So you're, you, you kind of mentioned that your, your husband, a lot of his struggles came from a pornography addiction. Mm -hmm, And if mm -hmm. some, anybody that's listening, I have an episode with Ted Scheimer who is the freedom fight and it's the impact of porn. And he does, he's, his brain is incredible. He just talks about like, he can, he marries together like the spiritual and the biological impacts of porn. And so if that's something that's impacting your life, definitely go back and listen to that episode, but, and you said the pastor came in and like took your computer. Yeah. What, like, what did that part of it look like? Cause now you're, did you know about that before?
1: Did you know that he struggled with porn before? I did, but it was more like, Oh, you know, Hey, I I looked a little bit today. And so when, when you're covering your sin, you tend to only give a little bit, even Mm -hmm. his accountability partners, he would give them like 30% of the story or 50% of the story. So that's, it's kind of a natural thing when you're in steeped in that. So, so yeah, I mean, I knew a little, but I didn't understand the cycle of the sin, you know, what, what pleased you in one moment a year later, it doesn't please you. And that's just the way porn is. It's a ridiculous fantasy world. That's not real. And, and so when you have that in your life, people always say, why, why if a husband and wife want to do that together, what's the big deal? I'm like, you know what, here's the deal at some day, your spouse is no longer going to appeal to you because you're watching something that's not realistic. Yeah. And that's just you know, not God's best. So. So you were having
0: to kind of like take, like there are marriages that have been wrecked just by pornography addiction. So you're taking on infidelity and pornography addiction, like pursuing forgiveness, pursuing restoration. Can you tell us a little bit of like what
1: that looked like? Yeah. So the good news is 20 years ago, the internet was still kind of new, you know, it wasn't, we didn't have a smartphone. There was no social media. So it was kind of the best thing because, like, he could totally be without a phone and it was no big deal. Yeah. And then once he did get a phone, it was a flip phone, you know, that you could do the predictive text where you did like boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Right. You know, this. (laughs) So the good news is that did help us. But I know that even today, I still think putting these guidelines are so many different tools and resources to help people be smart with their screens. I know at one point, my son, my oldest son, just to continue to live, wanting to live in freedom, he took his browser off his phone. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, so there's just things you can do. You do not have to be as connected uh, to things. And and so you just, you have to decide how much is your freedom worth Mm -hmm. and what are you willing to do. And my husband was willing to do anything. He did not care. Our passwords, you know, as, as the years moved on, nothing was off limits. He had all my passwords. I had his, I could pick up his phone to this day. And it's just, there's no secrets. And we're very brutally honest with some of the questions. Like even today, I'll be like, how are you doing in that? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're both 50 now. So it's, it just things change. Yeah. And so, you know, it just, I don't want to go into too much detail there, but you know, it's just, it's just a little different. Not every guy's the same, but my husband's like, you know, it's just, it's helped that I've gotten older. So that helps, but yeah. he's also been just very accountable to get, to get that freedom. And he went through a lot of um, counseling with a, a man and just kind of walked through a lot of his past and just mm-hmm. renouncing so much of that that had taken root in his life. So yeah.
0: So your husband got into counseling. i Did y'all do counseling together?
1: Yeah, we had a couple that walked us through things, which was awesome. They had experienced it in their marriage. I write about them in the book, and so it was an amazing thing to see different people in the body of Christ come and surround us, mm. and which was God's handprint everywhere because we knew I didn't know then but what's happening now, even recording this podcast, God saw all this, that yes. it would be our story to help others know that, okay, you can overcome difficult hardships. Mm-hmm. You really can.
0: So if someone is listening and they have a similar experience or they're on your husband's side of it in the experience outside of reading the book, because I always am like, okay, don't give the whole book away. You want people to buy the book? <laughs> right. What? I feel like it can feel so big and so daunting Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. where do I even start if I've chosen to stay? Like if you were getting to talk to somebody, what, where do you guide them?
1: Yeah. I just think the biggest thing, and it's really kind of a life thought as well. Like just take the next step. You you don't have to worry about step 30. We're just on step two. Yeah. And then after we take step two, okay, what's the very next step. So like Mm -hmm. I was trying to plan ahead so far in advance when this friend of mine, the pastor said, you don't have to decide it all today. And so I was like, okay, what do I need to decide today? Is there anything, what is the thing we have to do today? And that that's what I would encourage people listening who are no matter if it's a marriage struggle or just any struggle, what, what is the thing you have to do today? Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that would, that would help someone. And so that's kind of what we did. Okay. We don't We don't have to worry about that. That's, that's five months away. So let's worry about the next thing, you know?
0: I think that's really wise. And like you said, in life in general, but in something (laughs) as big and daunting as infidelity, as choosing to stay and walking through that it's so much, it's It's a lot, so much what, and I think that I, and I've walked through that with friends and even I on the peripheral retrospectively, like got caught up in the bit, like, okay, where are we, where are we going to counseling? Right. And do you need right. to move out and then move back at like, da, 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 and it's like, okay, wait, what do we need to do right now? Like what, yeah. or like, how can I love you right now? How can yeah. I pray for you right now versus like zooming out? And that's not to say that there isn't a time to like zoom out and, and look big picture for sure. But I think that's really wise advice to like, what is today? What is tomorrow?
1: Let's get through that. And it's hard because not every couple gets what I got. Like I had a husband fully willing. I write about this in my book, what you mentioned earlier about sometimes marriages won't make it. Mm -hmm. And it's because not both of them are not willing to do whatever it takes. That's a Mm -hmm. phrase we use a lot. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? And if you both are, there's a good chance that you can probably overcome things, Mm -hmm. Um, but whatever it takes means for the one who perpetrated, they've got to be able to be willing to know that their life is going to look very humble and possibly humiliating. And for the one who's been wounded, that means whatever it takes means to push through those moments of pain, to choose forgiveness, even when you don't feel like it and not to keep bringing things up. So there's a lot of things, but if both, if both husband and wife are willing to do whatever it takes, there's a really good chance that their marriage could make it.
0: The line that you said about what the pastor said to you, you're not a fool for being a store, being a part of, the story of
1: God redeeming life. work, yeah. Are mm-hmm. you
0: kidding? That's incredible. So that's everything. It's been, my, of,
1: it's been so powerful to me.
0: Uh, because look at your story. Like, look at your, that's insane. <laughs> One of my favorite people, she was on the podcast like a really long time ago. She's a real life friend, is married to an addict who Mm. has relapsed and relapsed and left them. And and, and I'm not like sharing anything. She's talked about all this in the podcast, like left them with two babies with no power because he had spent Mm. all their money on like drugs Mm. and alcohol, like brought their family to the brink of ruin. And they like, it gives me like full bite shows. They like just celebrated their 10 year anniversary Mm. because she felt like God was telling her to stay when everyone in her life was telling her to leave. Yeah. You look at those stories and you're like, I look at your story, look at their
1: story. How can you tell me there's not a God? Because that is something only God can do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, I look at how shattered my heart was and to see all that God has done and to, and to get emails from people around the world that say, people say you saved my marriage, which I understand what they're saying. I didn't, but they say things like that. And I just think, why me? Like, why God are you using this? Texas girl, you know, Mm I was born and raised in Texas. This, I was an average student, average everything really. And you're using me. And I just feel like, I feel like God told me a long time ago. He said, well, you said yes. And I wonder how many people listening that God wants to use in a powerful way. And they just haven't said yes yet. Yeah. So it was, it was painful and there were hard days in those yeses, but I'm really thankful that God has used my life and my husband's life to, to be a hope, a source of hope for others.
0: And so speaking of hope at the time, your husband resigns from full-time ministry, but now you're both in full-time ministry again.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he resigned. He stepped off the team. It was about an 18 month time of of intense healing. I think there was some power in the speed of our healing because of his willingness to dive as deep as possible, as fast as possible. Yeah. And so 18 months later, and we were still going to church at our church every weekend, you know, one week we're leading worship the next week or two weeks later, we're crying our eyes out in the church.
0: That is such yeah. a testament to the church that you were at.
1: Yeah. It's that pretty is awesome. Huge because yeah. I think and Craig proper... said, so Chris, let me just back up. Chris uh, confessed on a Tuesday, Craig, we only had two live church locations at the time. Craig preached on the Sunday to our campus, you know, telling him what happened uh, with discretion, not yeah. all the details, but moral failure, taking a step away. And then the very next Sunday we came to church and we <sighs> cried all the way in the parking lot, all the way into the building. And when Craig came in to preach, he said, last week was hard. I just want you to know, Kristen, Cindy, you're here. And the whole church stood up and clapped. I mean, like, this is the way church should be. We should be this place for broken people to come and heal. And here's, what's funny is all those people clapping. They were all broken too. Maybe yeah. they weren't as broken as us in the moment, but that's what they did. And I, that's why. Like that's what know. church so is supposed to look like. That's what we're supposed to look like. And so uh. we continued to attend. We served in our kids ministry. We did whatever they needed just in you know, serving and growing and healing. And then 18 months later, Craig was like, I don't think you're done. And so we invited back on the team and kind of began a journey. And now my husband has been a campus pastor and he leads 11 of our campuses. All of those campus pastors report to him. So there is a God and he is (laughs) mighty and he goes beyond our imagination. He does more than we can ever dream of and got to be the recipient of one of the greatest moves of God in the world in my local church at Life Church.
0: That is incredible. Am I crying? Yes. A little bit, but (laughs) it's fine. That's just (laughs) you know, and I was just writing a devotional about the, is it Matthew 18 or 13 that deals with sin in the church? Uh, 18. I believe 18. there's that verse about it, you know, how you, it's the succession of how to deal with it. And then it's, if they still refuse to repent, deal with them as a tax collector, or a pagan. Right. And how many times I heard that used in the Bible belt and evangelical Christianity to mean cast them out. They're right. done. They're out. Um, <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever studied how Jesus dealt with tax collectors or pagans? I know he ate dinner it's, with them.
1: Yeah, he loved he them. Was, he was he hanging out their with their the in. wrong kids. Yes, you know?
0: that, it's that crazy. the way that your church handled moral failure is biblical, right? That they welcomed you in, they pulled you in tighter, they loved you because isn't the ultimate goal? or or let's say Jesus in his time, wasn't the ultimate goal for him, for tax collectors and pagans and sinners to bring them into the kingdom?
1: Absolutely. That's exactly what
0: your church did.
1: We did. Yeah. That's incredible. So It's pretty special. And I hope more and more churches will do that and not be afraid to deal with the ugly and messy parts of life because whether they want to admit it or not, there's, there's a lot of ugly and messy parts of life, even on people who are on church staffs. And the reason I know is because we were those people.
0: Right. That's incredible. That is just such a story of redemption in like billboard letters. It's amazing. So your book is out where people can read your story and and walking through healing and, and how you kind of went from there to where you are today, which people can get wherever they get
1: booked
0: and tell people where they can connect with you online.
1: Yeah, I mean I have a website cindibeal.com for information and then my book you can get it probably the best place is Amazon. I think yeah. it's a Christian book, probably other places, but Amazon's just fast usually. Yep. <laughs> and so yep. that's what I tell <laughs> people. And yeah, and I'm on social media sometimes. I'm not yeah. always on there. I've got a granddaughter, did I mention that? I spend yeah, a lot of time much so, more important uh, than it. Yeah. Cindy Beal is my Instagram handle, so you can find me on there. I'm not too exciting, but you that's know, awesome. maybe there'll be something funny occasionally that you figure out our read. So love yeah. that. Cindy. thank you so much for sharing your, and your oh. husband's story. It's incredible. Thank you. I appreciate you, Blake. Thanks so much.
0: All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the crappy Christian podcast. And Hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.